Jesus is here. It's time for me to give my all. She didn't hold back. She gave as much as she can. And what can we learn from this? You shouldn't ever hold back from God. Give as what is humanly possible to give. When you are serving God, don't hold back on how much you can serve. But do it with all your might. John chapter 12, and we'll be reading from verse 1 to 8. Our story is taking place about a week before the crucifixion, and then eventually we know the resurrection. John chapter 12. Let's actually stand for this one, and we'll read it together. John chapter 12, from verse 1 to verse 8. If you're there, let's read it together. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, why was not this ointment sold for three hundred pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my burying hath she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. You may take your seats. Service to God is priceless. But have you put a price on your service to God? Now, it was a common practice amongst the Jews in Israel to put oil on the foreheads of their guests and even wash their feet. When their guests would come to their homes, they would put some oil and then wash their feet. The oil was used the, the oil that was often used was olive oil. And oftentimes, the olive oil they used was the best kind of olive oil, extra virgin. And in our story, we see Mary anointing Jesus' feet with a different type of ointment. In fact, she didn't even have to. She probably would have already had washed his feet at this point. And it is a very similar story that we have here with Mary as another woman we see where she rubbed Jesus' feet with her hair and her tears. Now, there's a huge significance of why those two women did this. And we'll talk about their sacrifice. But look at the reactions that took place around Jesus and Mary. John 12, 4 to 6 it says, Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. 
You can perhaps imagine what was going through Judas's mind at that point. Perhaps it was disgust. Perhaps it was this disgust he felt because he felt like she was giving way too much devotion to a man. This was Judas, after all, we're talking. He looked at the situation and perhaps he saw it with astonishment. As Jesus was letting her waste a whole pound of ointment, just so you know, when we buy essential oils, they come in these size batches, not a pound. She just wasted a pound, so he would think, instead of stopping her or counseling her otherwise. Why was Jesus letting her do this? Or perhaps Judas was thinking in his carnality, he felt that she was mismanaging resources. He was a resource manager, after all. He had the bag. Him being a thief, he knew how much was the value of this essential oil. So, this essential oil, somehow it was loved by Christ. But it wasn't loved because of the scent. It was loved because of the heart it was coming from. I want to compare two people today. Mary versus Judas. Mary versus Judas. You can decide for yourself who you would like to be like. I titled this message, The Effect of Essential Oils on Two Different People. But let's pray first. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for everyone here. And Lord, thank you for the time that they're taking to be here. And Lord, it's because they love you and they want to learn from you. And I pray, Father, that now as your servant, that you would allow me to speak your word and the Holy Spirit, that you would pierce through my heart and pierce through the, whoever heart is listening and that you would speak to us and grab a hold of it. And Lord, help us to become better servants for you. Help us to be fully surrendered servants. I pray, Father, that your word would not go void, but that you would use this message for your honor and glory. I thank you, Lord, and praise you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So first, we're going to talk about our first person, Mary. So in John 12, verse 3, we see, Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. So the first thing we learn about Mary is that she seized the opportunity. It's not every day you have Jesus come to your house. Mary saw the opportunity and she grabbed it. In life, we will get opportunities to serve God. We need to take those opportunities. Drop what we are doing and take care of God. Take care of the ministry. Every morning, we get to meet with God. Every Sunday, we get to come to church. Every time we come to church, we get to serve others. Every time there is an offering time, we get to give. Too often as Christians, especially when we have been coming to church for a while, we tend to forget that this is God. 
We get into a routine oftentimes. We get into a rut and forget how important the opportunities that God gives us on a daily basis to serve Him, to do things for Him. We forget about those. We forget the value of it. And we forget the reasons behind why we even do service in our lives. Why we can do things for people and why we have time to meet with God. Let, turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, in verse 5 and 8, all the way to verse 8, we see a little bit of the gifts, the spiritual gifts that God had given Christians. In Romans 12, verse 5 to 8, Paul talks about these, and he talks about how we ought to use these gifts. So we being many are one body in Christ, and everyone members of one another, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. You see... God isn't going to twist our arms to grab hold of an opportunity. When we have time, when we can do service, when we have an opportunity, just pop up out of nowhere. Take it. We're doing it for the King of Kings. We can do everything by our own free will. And if you have a spiritual gift, you ought to use it. Look for opportunities to bless God. Look for opportunities where you can strengthen the church. Okay, so Mary sees the opportunity. Now, Mary also gave her all. And that may be a little bit bold to say. Mary gave her all. I don't think she gave her all. She just gave a pound of ointment. Well, let me tell you something. Mary gave everything she had at Jesus' feet at that moment. Now, if you're back in John chapter 12... I'll show you a little bit of what I'm talking about. She didn't put a price on her service and gift. She didn't put anything, she didn't keep back anything from Christ's feet. Now I'm saying all of this because you need to understand what spikenard actually is. So spikenard comes from a flower. Specifically, it comes from a flower's root. The flower is called valerian. Now, the thing is, for spikenard, specifically, it has to come from a specific type of flower, the valerian flower, from the Himalayas, okay? So, in order to get these, they only grow between 3,000 meters to 5,000 meters in the Himalayas. What does that mean? That means machines can't do the job for you. You have to send men and women into the mountains, into the Himalayas, to pick up these flowers, grab the root, put it in a bag, and then they bring it down all the way to a distillation place, then they distill it, then they grab, they get their essential oils. Now, in case you haven't noticed, the Himalayas and Israel are not beside each other. They're far away, okay? They are 5,500 kilometers away. Back then, 
in Roman culture, they would have had roads going from place to place. Somebody, somehow, from the Himalayas, brought this essential oil all the way through the Silk Road of Turkey. From Turkey, they had to pay their customs going into Israel. Yeah, they had customs even back then. Okay? Can you imagine how much it would have cost? One pound. One pound. Eight ounces, I think. Is it eight ounces? Sixteen? Sixteen, there you go. Yeah, sixteen ounces. See, we never really think about it, but spikenard was a very expensive oil. And can you imagine a Jewish woman get, somehow getting a hold of spikenard, a whole pound of it? We can only speculate, but that's probably a day's wage, or a, sorry, a year's wage, just like Judas had pointed out. 300 pence. I guess that's more than a year's wage. But we're even told one more passage in Song of Solomon, chapter number 1, verse 12. You don't have to turn there, but... It says, while the king sitteth at his table, my spikenard sendeth forth the smell thereof. If you know Song of Solomon, it's, it's writings between Solomon's wife and him. It's a love letter. So spikenard is used in times of love. It's an ointment that's used between a husband and a wife. It was costly. Practically what... Mary was doing is, I kept this ointment for my husband. But Lord, you are so much more valuable to me. You are worth so far more. Anything I can do is only worth a drop of dew. But Lord, your love is as great as the sea. I am laying my whole future, the husband that one day I will have, I'm giving it to you. Perhaps that was what was going through her heart. Mary shows us that you can't put a price on serving and worshiping God. Mary's attitude was that Jesus is here. It's time for me to give my all. She didn't hold back. She gave as much as she can. And what can we learn from this? You shouldn't ever hold back from God. Give as what is humanly possible to give. When you are serving God, don't hold back on how much you can serve. But do it with all your might. And lastly, Mary served immediately. Mary served Jesus right where she was with what she had. And imagine if Mary had a different type of attitude. What if she had the attitude of, oh, there's a lot of people watching I probably should wait until there are less so I could put the ointment. It would be weird. What if she had that attitude? Or, I'll wait till I can buy more ointment. Then I can put it at Jesus' feet. Or what if she had the, I'll let the others talk with Jesus first. He's occupied right now anyway. I'll put my ointment on him at a different time. It's really a bad habit of us to think of a later time to serve and worship God. A poet wrote this small snippet I'm going to read to you about serving God. 
This is the day the Lord hath made. So swiftly it's passing by. Signs of the times are very clear. Redemption draweth nigh. Are we doing all we can today? Serving our God and King? Have we any gifts of sacrifice before His throne to bring? When His kingdom shall unveil with glory from the sky, will we be ready to meet Him in His holiness on high? The day of His coming is so near, it's sovereignly arranged. We must work while there is time and lives can still be changed. Nothing's ever done tomorrow or in the yesterday. One's a vision, the other a dream. We must serve God today. Mary understood the preciousness of having Christ in her home. She saw her very brother who just got resurrected at the table. She remembered the innumerable amounts of teaching she had heard from Jesus Christ about heaven and the kingdom to come. And no doubt, this overwhelmed her heart with gratefulness to want to do something for Christ right then and there. If we take into account every moment of blessing that Jesus had given us, every blessing that Jesus had ever bestowed upon us, if we take into account of every amount of curse and bad things that could have come our way, but Jesus had kept us from it, if we take into account and understand all of these things, that gratefulness ought to lead us to immediate service and immediate action because time is really short. So we talked about three things about Mary. Now let's talk about our other man, Judas. So Judas, he was carnal-minded. Judas was carnal-minded. If you're still in John chapter 12, Judas, as we read through the story, we notice our second character to be like an antagonist. But Judas had just a mindset to give, it would seem. Judas had a worldly mindset, though, because it wasn't the mindset that was bad. But in light of what was happening, we can conclude that it was bad because of the circumstances. It is not wrong to sell your possessions to give to the poor. It's not wrong to give in general. But what is wrong is to take what belongs to God and to give it to something else. What is wrong is to take the love and devotion that belongs to God and give it to others. What is wrong is to have something else before God. Keep in mind, we can love our neighbors, we can love our family, we can love our spouses, we can love our children, we can love our work, we can love our hobbies and our pastimes. But these things ought never to be loved more than God. If you would turn with me to Luke chapter 14, verse 26. Luke 14, 26, and I will also read to you Matthew 6, 24. Matthew 6 and verse 24, it says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, 
or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. What does Luke 16, 13 say? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. And then if you're in Luke 14, 26, it says, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. You see, often the only love this world would ever feel is the natural love that they would receive from their family and friends and perhaps the love they would have for the things of this world. It is normal that someone of the world would not love God. Because how could they? Our love should not be like the world's love. In fact, we understand our love to be a higher standard of love as the one that Christ had. Clearly in our story, Judas loved what? Money. More than anything else. He loved mammon. And to Judas, he felt it was wise to invest on this earth rather than on Christ. There is nothing wrong with investing. There is nothing wrong with giving to charities and investing into this account and that account and accumulate funds here and building things there. There's nothing wrong with those things. But we need to be prepared to lose those things if God asks for them. Or to let go of them if God asks for that. Our love for God has to be greater than what is for those things. So Judas had a carnal, worldly mind. Judas saw also little profit in Jesus. So Judas' statement, if you're back in John, let's go back to John chapter 12. Judas' statement, when he saw Mary's devotion, was to despise her. What does it mean to despise? That means he looked down upon her. You know, he looked down upon her devotion because he saw little to no profit at all. And that's a very common way for the world to think. You're here on Sunday morning. You're here on Sunday night. What do you think the world thinks of when you're here on Sunday night? Boy, he's weird. He goes twice to Sunday, on Sunday. <laughs> wow. He goes on Wednesday too? Wow. Hmm. Okay. They despise us. They despise what we do. And the thing is, they see little profit in it. There's a very com- that's a very common way for the world to think. The world sees little benefit even in Christianity itself. Either they will deny the power of Christianity itself, or they will equate it to other religions. They'll say it's just like any other religion. But those like you and me, we ought to see that there is profit in Christ. There is profit in serving Christ with our life. We were made into new creatures according to 2 Corinthians 5.17. 
We were made into the children of God according to Ephesians 1.5. We are being made into God's masterpieces according to Ephesians 2.10. This is why Jesus tells us in Matthew 6.19 and 20, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. And then the next verse, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. It's not foolish to invest our time, talents, and treasures into church. It's not foolish to invest your time, talents, and treasures into soul winning, into SWA. It's not foolish to spend time, talents, and treasures for the ministries that you may be doing. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Maybe keep a finger in uh, John 12 because we will be coming back. First Corinthians chapter 15. And verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And here it is, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. There is great profit when you invest in Christ, when you invest your time into your ministry. Now something else about Judas, and this is the last one. Judas was ignorant of the impermanence of money. Big $10 words, okay. Judas didn't know or didn't realize that everything he was doing on this earth was one day going to be destroyed. Coming off the heels of what I just mentioned, money will eventually pass away. Accomplishments on earth will eventually pass away. Things we have done and made and built will eventually pass away. Often it's those things on earth that we humans spend so much time and so much energy building and constructing. We spend time investing and building funds. We spend time in other things outside of church like our hobbies. We spend a lot of time trying to get ourselves on a higher social plane with our social uh, circles. But we fail to realize often that none of those will matter in the end. You know, I often watch spiders I'm afraid of them, but I like to look at them. It's, it's a weird relationship I have with them. But spiders, I think, are incredibly impressive creatures. And it, it, it's so amazing how God had created the spiders. Because even us humans today, we still can't mimic the amazing amount of engineering that a spider can do. One of God's creations, but... If you ever watch a video, or if you've watched a spider long enough, you could see how they're building their, their nests. You can see how they're building using their webs. Spiders' webbing have a variety of different uses, but one that we all know of is their building of nests, how they make their cobwebs. Often these nests are built in the most inconvenient of places. The spider probably thought that spot was really safe. 
And he began to engineer this whole thing to build a home. But how often and how easily does that home get destroyed? Do you ever think that perhaps God could be watching us build things in a very inconvenient place? And what if we were building the things in places that were only going to get destroyed a few moments later? In the grand scheme of things. We know that one day our life will be looked upon and judged. And you're in 1 Corinthians. Let's go to chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 13 to 14. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. This is often also the case with Olympic athletes. The life of an Olympian athlete is often lived between the ages of 15 to 30. And whether they were successful or not, everyone forgets them at some point. They just gave most of their youth to a sport. They spent their whole life in that one sport, training, giving up certain pleasures at their young age so they could strive for a piece of precious metal. But after all that, what happens? They often find the process of becoming mortal difficult because routines have suddenly shifted. Once they were waking up early in the morning to go train so that they can be good at their sport, but now all of a sudden they're giving resumes to people to try and get them hired. Many skills they had gained were in vain because they couldn't be used in the workforce. Opportunities that would have opened up to most at their age, amongst their peers and their friends, those opportunities aren't available anymore because they were too late. Folks, let's not spend so much worries on the things of this world, only to have them vanish on us one day. Let's keep our minds heavenward, wanting to do more for the coming kingdom of God and have that eternal reward. So I'll conclude. Mary or Judas, who do you pick? Mary was spiritually minded. She seized the opportunity. She gave everything she had. She served immediately. Judas was carnal minded. He cared more about the things of this world. He despised the service for Christ. And he forgot that this world will one day disappear. Mary had a lot of essential oil. But Christ loved her heart. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.